Hey guys, welcome to episode 5 of the Drop the Gloves podcast featuring Kyle Maximovich. And I'm by my side, we have Logan Sype. Logan, we got a couple hot teams we want to talk about. We got a couple not so hot teams. We'll recap all the scores. We got the OHL playoffs are set in stone on who's playing who. We got our predictions on that. Dom, go ahead and kick them off. Yeah, so Jonathan Huberdo taking over first for the heart with both teams having seven games left. Him and McDavid, they're in a tight race. I said McDavid's going to win it by a long shot, and Huberdo's proving me wrong. I I told you I had a strong feeling Huberto had a chance there to catch up to him. I didn't think he'd surpass him. I thought it would be a tight race to the end, but Huberto with those three assists on all of Barkov's goal over the win on the Islanders. What's that team show you, Dom? It just shows that they have a lot of skill and a lot of players that can put up points, and you need depth going into playoffs. So Florida's definitely like going to be a top three team in this run, and my prediction and my parlay is they're going to win the Cup, so I'm hoping it happens. So my only thing here is uh, hopefully it's not a team getting hot at the wrong time. We always talk about teams getting hot at the right time. Uh, Florida's on an 11-game win streak right now, and that big win over the Islanders, scoring to tie it up with five minutes left in the third and then that overtime winner um hopefully it's a team not getting hot at the wrong time yeah i agree with that and is tampa was in the same situation like a few years back they were so hot nobody was beating them and then they got booted out of the playoffs early. first round yeah against columbus i believe so it it's unpredictable but um, I'm pulling for Florida, one of the teams I want to win because they haven't had anything in their organization. So No, and uh, the atmosphere is unreal there. I got to watch a game uh, versus Tampa in the playoffs last season, and the atmosphere in the building's great, and the, they really feed off of it. One other thing I wanted to talk about, Dom, they're the only team in the NHL with a 100-goal difference. What's that mean for a team? It means a lot. It means you're getting good goaltending and you're getting production and then obviously good defense. So a plus 100 is really good and ridiculous so there's no complaining for florida right now now let's talk about a team that's not doing so hot let's move on to my favorite the pens uh three six and one in the last 10 games we got tristan jari out right now with the foot injury uh he's listed as week to week dom what's your opinion on them and what do they need to do well they just need to dig down and be the old pittsburgh penguins that everybody knows they can be they know how to play they know playoffs but i don't know maybe it's just a regular season and end of the year slump right now so you never know but uh i think i don't even know if pittsburgh got out of the first round this year just because uh right now they're playing the rangers i believe the rangers are the scary team yeah they're they're a scary team and um i'm expecting the rangers not make it past the second round but they're still like a good first round team and then second round they're in the bubble they're still new to this now while we're talking about the rangers they're on three consecutive shutouts right now that ties franchise history do you think they could go for four? Oh, obviously they have a brilliant goaltender so he's been one of their mvps this year and there's no doubt in my mind he can get another shutout it would be nice to see i don't think there's been four consecutive shutouts in quite some time oh Four, oh, four straight games. I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, no, this is three in a row, yeah. Yeah, see, that's a little more rare, but he'll obviously get another shutout this year. And I don't know about four straight, though, but there's a chance he's playing playing hot. Colorado's 9-1-0 and zero in their last 10 games. Um, what do you think about this, Logan? That's unreal. Uh, to be able to go out there and win 9 of 10 is impressive. And, you know, big 18 points to kind of help them pad that lead they have in the division. And I think, again, hopefully they're just not getting hot at the wrong time. I mean, there's still seven games left in the regular season. Uh, they definitely have the skill. They have the experience. And I'd like to see them make a deep run. Speaking on um, hot teams, so this is like my prediction. I'd 
one of my two teams from the West to make it to the championship. The St. Louis Blues have gotten points in their last 10 games. They're showing consistency, and they're showing the same heart that they had when they won the Cup last time. Speaking of the Blues, they had a big second period the other night. They put up seven goals in the second period. That's huge for a team to be able to go out and score seven in 20 minutes. That's kind of unreal. I don't think I've ever seen that done before. But yeah, just being able to go out there and go 9-0-1 in your last 10, super impressive. It just shows that they have the resiliency and they have the depth and they're getting some help from secondary scoring and that's what it takes to be successful in the playoffs. Yeah, St. Louis and Minnesota are heel and heel and heel and those are my two um, Western Conference predictions. Sorry, Colorado. I, I know you guys are top two team in the league right now, but I can't help it. I just don't. I see you guys slumping again. While we're on the West, let's talk about Edmonton going 8-1-1 one, and one in the last 10. Uh, we just, you know, we said they weren't being too hot, and they come out there and they go on a big run, and do you think they can keep it up? I do, I do, actually, and they're proving to me uh, for the past month now that they're playing some good hockey, and it looks like they're going to close down on playoffs, hopefully, unless they do the um, normal Edmonton thing and tank. But, um, yeah, I think McDavid and Drysaddle could go to the first or second round, but they're, I don't think they'll get past that. I don't either. And you have such tough teams out there. you got Calgary out there. Um, I think Calgary's really going to – I think they're going to take it. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have – I have some trust in Calgary, obviously, but I, I don't see them making it past the third round, if that. Like, it's a good round to get out, but you want the cup, obviously. I'd like to see a big run from Calgary, especially with it being Johnny Hockey's supposedly last year there. I'd like, you know, he deserves some credit for his time there, and it'd be nice to see him make a deep run as well. I'm calling this now. Johnny Hockey's coming to the Devils. And oh, you, man. You want my explanation? I'm pretty sure he's from the New Jersey area. I could be wrong, but if he is, there's already rumors a few years ago that he was going to come and, uh, He's got to play with Jack Hughes, man. Yeah, he's got a team around him now. Obviously, when those rumors were flying around, you guys had Hall. You know, you guys were a playoff team. And then I kind of see he see how the team fell apart a little bit. And I think that kind of persuaded him in his contract. Yeah, so Salem, New Jersey, Johnny Hockey's from. So watch, guys. He's coming to the Devils. While we're speaking of teams and returning to hometowns and, you know, where they want to play, Flurry came out and said he wants to play another year. Well, does he want to play another year in Minnesota or in general? He hasn't said he just says that he can go out there he can put up decent numbers he can keep himself kind of healthy and he says he wants to see himself in the nhl for at least another year i think he could do easily another year he's a three-time stanley cup champion maybe more if minnesota wins so uh i think he has a few more years of gas in a tank like he's he's an elite goalie obviously pittsburgh wants to see him back obviously he was a fan favorite dom but just what's your hockey sense on this and what do you think should happen i mean obviously go to win but if pittsburgh's in a position to win or be a playoff team still next year then i would i don't see a problem with that and then possibly have your jersey retired yeah but see i guess my thing here is you know, we have such young goalies and Tristan Jari and DeSmith just needs to get his confidence up, and he's been solid the last month. I don't know if you bring back a guy like Flurry. I mean, he was great, and it would be awesome to see him back in a Penguins uniform. But at the end of the day, do you really want to take confidence away from these players? Do you really want to re-sign somebody to the AHL when they're finding their groove? I don't know. Um, DeSmith hasn't always been hot, so that's my reasoning. Maybe he's having a good month now, but I just think that... Having a veteran player in Fleury could go a long way for Jari again. And I don't know if they were ever together, 
But no, it was him and Murray. It was Murray. Jari was the he would come up occasionally. I think it would be huge. Let's move on, Dom. I have an interesting subject for you. Let's talk about Marshawn Lynch and Macklemore now being part owners of the Seattle Kraken. I didn't even know that, and that's news to me now. It's uh, interesting, actually. Like, I didn't think a football player liked hockey. So. Man, they let Marshawn Lynch go at the practice facility, and he's out there doing donuts on the Zamboni. It was it was fun to watch. And, you know, do you think Seattle's already in money problems? They could be if they're going after other investors, but maybe Marshawn Lynch reached them because he saw potential. Like, it, it goes both ways. And um, I don't know. I think it's too early to be in money problems, but Seattle, I don't know. Does Seattle get fans? Like, I've never saw any games. I mean, I would assume they would. I mean, but, again, I don't. we don't get to watch too many games out west being that they start at 10 o'clock. And I don't know. I, I just kind of a little worrisome that you bring in two outside investors. I highly doubt Macklemore and Marshawn Lynch both reached out to him at the same time. Um, I definitely think that Seattle reached out, but that's just my personal opinion. Macklemore too. What a can what we a, go thrift shopping? Yeah, what a crazy combination. And I could tell you, I would never see that happening. And I'll tell you what, time. though, it fits in because I'm pretty sure Seattle went thrift shopping when they picked the team in the expansion draft. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know. Speaking of uh, like the bottom five, uh, the Devils and Kraken are still heel to heel, and I'm, I want the Kraken to catch up. Phillies down there too so i can't wait for the nhl draft lottery it's gonna be fun i was gonna say are you already thinking about the draft lottery yeah i've been thinking about it since november man like <laughs> and you really started having thoughts about it after hughes went out with the knee injury yeah but i knew we weren't making a playoff still but losing our best player sucks but what can you do speaking of best players and losing them uh, obviously there was no suspension involved but Barzell with that big fine for the unsportsmanlike for that hook when he was sitting on the bench. What do you think of that? Wasn't that with Marner? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was with Marner, unless that was a different fine. But, um, yeah, if this is the fine I'm thinking of, it was like a joke fine, actually, and I guess Marner was joking about it post-game, and they actually find him, so it's kind of funny. Yeah, no penalty called on the initial play, as I think the ref seen the humor in it, but at the end of the day, the league cracked down and handed him a fine, and, you know, what can you do? It's a soft league, man. There's nothing you can do, but just, uh, they were former teammates on um, the World Juniors or something like that, I believe, so I, it's a joking atmosphere, but I guess the league didn't care. The league didn't, the league didn't laugh, and they got the last laugh handing out that fine. Yeah, it's pocket change for him anyways, like just another Friday night. So. Yeah, right. That's um, His bar tab's probably more than that on a Friday, Saturday. It's true. It's true. So moving on. So all NHL teams in the East have clinched playoffs, Logan. What are you? What's your thoughts on that? Thoughts on that is, I mean, there's still seven games. That just goes to show you that the top teams out there are really top teams. And, you know, being able to be 14 points ahead of everybody else at this point in the year and getting those playoff spots clinched, that's huge. I see a lot of flip-flopping happening. Um, obviously, Florida's not moving. And Carolina and New York for the top spot in the Metro is going to be really interesting. But I see Carolina pulling it away. New York has a good chance. And, I don't know, I can see Pittsburgh going down to the wild card spot, to be honest. I could see us dropping below the caps for the fourth spot in the Metro. And I think that it's very possible. And, you know, Capitals have a game in hand on us right now. And they're sitting one point behind us. And they've been the better team. And their goal difference shows that. And, you know, it's... It's sad to say because I would like to go in as, you know, a number three, number four. But 
I think we're going in as a seven or eight. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Just because you guys are slumping at the wrong time and Washington is heating up and Boston seems to have found their their game back and I don't know, Pittsburgh's just the only team in the East that seems like they're falling down. And, you know, that's real scary to think about because if eight plays one, that is not who I want to see in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Florida and Carolina would play the wild cards right now. So I wouldn't want to play Florida either or Carolina. So it's just tough for you guys right now. And I feel bad for all the Islanders fans. You know, they, they went on a good run there at the end uh, trying to clinch that last spot. But anytime you leave yourself needing nine consecutive games to get into the playoffs, so that's tough duty. Yeah, and you already dropped a few games, a lot of important games in the beginning and just all caught up to you. So it sucks, but I tried pushing for the Islanders and it didn't happen. So it's going to be exciting playoffs. Moving on to the West, Colorado, obviously, number one, uh, Minnesota, number two, and St. Louis, number three in the Central. And then Calgary, Edmonton, and L.A. in the Pacific. Two wild cards are Nashville and Dallas. Predictions are the same, Minnesota, St. Louis. One of them are going to the Cup. Uh, Calgary's tailing them, in my opinion. So so it's going to be interesting. And I just still can't believe LA's in the playoffs. I really thought they were having another bad year. And then I looked and boom, they're in the wild card. And the Golden Knights are, you know, they're, they're in the hunt. Uh, the Golden Knights are in the hunt. And uh, because of these salary cap issues, and I'm not a big fan of what's going on there, I really hope they do end up missing. Um, obviously, the Predators and Stars are favorites to get in as you know, the Predators with 93 points and the Stars with 91, uh, the Kings with 92, and the Knights with 87. I'd really like to see the Predators and Stars get in there. And obviously the Oilers, I think they're a strong candidate to get in there. Yeah, I think Edmonton is going to make it now, and they proved me wrong. So that's not a question for me. But I just can see one of Vegas or Vancouver stealing Dallas' spot. Um Dallas is a strong team. I don't know. I can just see something stupid like that happening at the end of the season. But other than that, the way it looks, uh, there's a few competitive teams, but I still think the Eastern Conference is way deeper. And that's just how it is. It's deeper in terms of multiple teams being good. But when you move out to the West, you know, obviously Colorado's deep, Calgary's deep, and they're playing well. Um, but you don't see that tight action like you're seeing over in the East. Yeah, and the Metro especially is the best uh, conference slash division in pro sports pretty much. Like, in even with these other teams going to develop and do something, like, it's going to be 10 times worse in the next five years. So get ready, boys. Hey, guys, I'm here with former Erie Otter in Ottawa 67, Kyle Maximovich. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Pretty well, pretty well. Now, you were fortunate enough to get to play with McDavid. Um, what's it like playing with a guy of that caliber, and how was it playing on his team? Uh, it was pretty uh, pretty amazing. I mean, those players like McDavid, you know, that generational stuff, so be able to just watch him play. I didn't really have a big, like I said before, a big role in the team when I was 16, and I didn't really get to play with him, <laughs> per se. You know, he was on the top line, I was in and out of the lineup. But uh, just being able to watch him and practice and and the stuff he did on the ice, it was uh, pretty crazy. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to be able to say that I, I played uh, on the same team as him and got to watch him in junior hockey. You played with your brother in the OHL, and obviously that's rare in any league. Did you guys live in the same household, ever get in any brotherly fights? Uh, no, we didn't. We actually uh, we got put on complete opposite side of town, actually. Uh, I can't remember the ones. Like, I was out towards the mall, like, I think it's Mill Creek over there, like, by the high school, and then he was on, like, the other side of the arena, I can't remember the, 
Harbor Creek, I think it was. Yeah, so you guys were like half hour apart, huh? Yeah, we were half hour apart, so we didn't really, uh, we didn't really, like, we saw each other at the rink and we hung out after, but, um, you know, with school every day, we didn't really get to see him a whole lot outside of the rink after, but, um, no, he was tremendous. Uh, he gave me some, he gave me some great advice, you know, because um, the year before he had been through, you know, what it's like being a rookie and, and you know, the expectation and basically how to get ahead kind of thing. So he gave me some good advice on that coming in as, as a 16-year-old. And uh, I really look up to him. I still look up to him now even to this day. And to be able to play with him, it's something I'm going to remember forever. Speaking of your brother, what's he up to now? Does he play hockey anymore? Uh, no, he doesn't play hockey anymore. He actually got his uh, business degree um, at Guelph University. And he... Uh, he works for um, uh, a bank right now, so he's, uh, he's doing well. He's in the financial world. He's, lot, lot, I guess, a lot more mature than me right now. He's got his, uh, his life figured out, and he's doing well for himself. So. so after winning the OHL championship, you come back to Erie, and you're traded to Ottawa. What's that experience like? And did you get to, go, did you get to pick Ottawa, or was it just kind of where they sent you? Um, yeah, so like that year kind of coming in, I knew um, you know, we weren't as strong of a team, and um, that there was a possibility of getting traded at the deadline. And, you know, I got off to a pretty good start, putting up some good numbers. So then uh, a couple teams showed interest, and, and Ottawa was one of them. And I was pretty close with uh, Dave Brown, the GM of Erie Brownie. And, you know, he kind of talked with me about it a little bit. Um, you know, I, we decided that was probably a good good uh, place to go for me. You know, it was beneficial on both sides of the trade. You know, they got some some good picks back and you know I got a chance to go at it for another championship so I was pretty lucky we sent to Ottawa they were uh, the top team in, in the country at the time so it was good to uh, go somewhere that I know you know they were having success and you know they have have good development there for, uh, for skills and, and players and, and people outside the ring. And how much does that suck? I mean, playing for a team in Erie, I mean, you were kind of a fan favorite. You weren't a top goal scorer for your first couple of years, and you kind of picked up. But what's it like giving so much to a city and then I going to another team? Obviously, it's the name of the game, but does that play any effect on yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, it was tough, right? Like, I, I grew up in Erie. I, I knew everybody. I knew all the billets. I knew all the fans and um, was close with everybody and it was, it was tough because I knew that like I knew Erie so well and, and I really enjoyed being around there and enjoyed uh, I guess everything about it really and, and starting over in a new place it's, it's tough right because you got to get comfortable with your teammates get comfortable with the environment get comfortable you know on the ice and still try to per- perform as best as I can so it was a bit of a tough little thing that happened but you know it was for the best and and, uh, you know, it was, it was awesome in Ottawa. You know, they, they treated their players fantastic. Their skill development was far down one of the best in the league. So um, it was a great opportunity for me. And, you know, it was tough leaving area, but it was uh, – I think it worked out, yeah. And like you said, you know, you're going to a new place. It's your overage year. You know you're only going to be there for a couple months. So by the time you hit that level you wanted to be at comfort-wise, it kind of seems like it's all over after that, right? Yeah, I mean, you had to, you had to quickly adjust. And I think how tight Ottawa was with their team, I think that really helped out with my transition. You know, I found good friends in Ty Faliber and uh, Lucas Chiodo. Um, the old Ragers there in Ottawa. Lucas Chiodo was just was traded there as well from Barry. So you know, I found you know like almost immediate friendships with those guys. I spent almost every day with them 
uh, at the rink and outside the rink. So that definitely made the transition a lot easier. So you spent a little time at Rockford before joining Erie on your last season. How was your AHL experience for the time being that you were up there? Um, for, like from a a standpoint of not knowing what pro is like and being able to witness, you know, what it's like going to the rink every day, you know, how hard guys are working, like the job aspect of it, it was pretty like enlightening and, and, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of motivating, I guess you could say. Like when I went back, um, I think I had as well of a start um, in my overage year than the rest of my years because of how motivated I was, you know, trying, you know, put it all on the line to, to get that um, contractor, get back up there. Um, yeah, it was it was awesome. I, Darren Radish was there when I got trade or when I signed there um, after my fourth year in junior. So I was actually staying in the hotel, and Darren, like, first night there, texted me, he's like, you're not staying in a hotel, like, you come stay at our house. Stay at our house. Like, he lived with uh, Graham Nott, who also played in the O show. So they brought me in. And I, I lived there for the three months. Like they made a pretty deep, uh, deep run in the playoffs. So it's cool to be there throughout that. Yeah, that, that would definitely be a cool experience. You know, most of those guys are just, like you said, going to stay in a hotel, and you were fortunate enough to have a former teammate take you in. So that had to be pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was awesome. And like Darren and Taylor, like I grew up playing with them. I've known their, like our families have known each other since, uh, like me and Taylor, we were seven, eight years old. We played minor hockey together growing up it was nice of him to, to take me in and look after me and that just speaks to how great of a guy he was and how great of uh, a teammate i guess you could say he was what was your uh, favorite moment in the ohl can either be with the 67s or the otters relive those moments what was your favorite moment of all um i think my favorite moment of all is a couple i guess like game seven versus london in my third year of the year we won pretty crazy ot um Winning that was wild, you know, how rivalry is between Ottawa and Lo- or Erie and London, sorry. And then another one would have been winning the championship uh, against Mississauga. We won that in OG as well. So that was a pretty sweet uh, little comeback win there in Game 5. I know my buddy Taylor had a, had a hattie, so he had a night. Um, and then Ottawa winning the conference final was pretty, pretty special. You know, we got to sweep Oshawa my last year in um, it was the first time Ottawa won, won the trophy in quite some time, so it was pretty uh, pretty special to share that with them. And you know, a lot of the guys on that team, it was their first time in a winning season, kind of thing. So um, just the, that excitement and everything there, and then plus it being my last year, it was pretty special. I got one for you. So you mentioned London Game Seven there. Um, as a player, uh, you were around and you've heard the. You know, our remix is Sweet Caroline. Um, does that get you guys yeah. fired up? Or, I mean, like, what's an honest opinion on that? Yeah, honestly, it's it's kind of like, I was there when they kind of started it. So that I think that year, the year before, they started it up. And then, like, back-to-back years, we played in the playoffs, and it just got even more hype. And then that year we won, um, just hearing it all the time. I remember, pretty sure London ended up sending something in to try and get us to stop saying it like we're not allowed to play that song because we're I don't know I know I disrespectful I, to their organization or something I don't know if they still do it in here or not but I remember we weren't allowed to play it for like game seven and game five yeah I do I remember that uh, Dale Hunter, yeah. he, he did send a letter into the league, and I think even the year after that, I don't think they were allowed to play it too much 
Um, but oh man, it's stronger than ever here than it than it was. I mean, all three of our overagers mentioned it in their last game here in Erie this last season, and uh, it's it's stronger than it ever was now. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's pretty hyped when the crowd gets into it. Obviously, there's a big uh, lot of energy in the EIA, so. When the fans are screaming, I know we hear it on the bench, that's for sure. Have you ever, like, experienced any other wild fan base like the Otters have? No. Honestly, there's not. There's not one team that I played for, like minor hockey. And, you know, Ottawa had, had great fans, but still it wasn't as uh, hyped or crazy as, as the Erie fans, you know. I think it's just so much passion in sports, right? Like, you know, when football's on, um, you see the, the Browns flags and the Steelers flags everywhere. Everybody's all hyped up on their football, and then football ends. It's like everybody just migrates into the EIA, and it just makes the games so much louder and so much more exciting. Uh, I think it makes it even more special um, when, the fa- when the fans are screaming and it's that loud and, you know, score a goal or, or you make an, your team wins in overtime. It just makes the win that much more special or the goal that much more special so if you remember from the run um there was a game there where there was a dildo thrown on the ice um i believe taylor was out there um all the guys on the bench were like all iffy about it and whatnot and uh did you get a kick out of that was it funny was it you know i mean you guys are you guys are young kids at that time is it inappropriate what's your opinion on that yeah no i thought i thought it was funny i I remember that i can't remember which game exactly i thought it might have been during the london series when they threw the cowbells on too right i'm pretty sure it was yeah i think it was like the first home game i'm pretty sure uh somebody snuck it in and threw it on the ice but i just remember standing there between the benches there and like it seemed like all the guys were just like getting a good kick out of it but then at the end of the day nobody wanted to take it for off the ice if i remember correctly i think uh i think taylor uh chipped it up at um coop if i'm not mistaken <laughs> he might have i mean yeah it was pretty funny we got a good kick out of that i know um just like hearing from uh, my old bill at gail nelson she told me about there used to be a player on the team with the last name dildo or something uh. revolving around that and when he would score it would be like multiple thrown on the ice yeah that was Corey pecker from our first run pecker yeah pecker sorry <laughs> but yeah i just like multiple ones on the ice so that's uh, pretty funny you're playing at the university of prince edward explain what that was like the school hockey got any good college stories for us how's that going now yeah so i'm at university of prince edward island right now it's pretty fun honestly have you ever been up to the the east coast at all i don't i have not actually yeah it's uh it's awesome it's uh fisherman territory i guess you could say so a lot of seafood a lot of fresh seafood to eat you know it's a slower living lifestyle than than the big cities like toronto and and pittsburgh and and even erie honestly it's it's uh it's it's been awesome so far you know i've enjoyed um the hockey you know i came out pretty uh pretty excited and energized in my first year and and had a great time and then obviously we had the not start of our season Uh, our season got canceled last year because of covid so we didn't really get to play any games it was a little bit dreary you know we'd practice Monday to Friday and then have the weekends off to go do whatever we're going to do. But, uh, you know, getting back into it this year, it's it's been awesome. You know, we ended up losing um, in the first round of playoffs. We had a good run. You know, we had a pretty strong roster. And um, I love it out here. It's it's honestly a lot a lot more relaxing. Besides the school part, obviously, I'm, I'm just finishing up exams. I got 
one more exam on Saturday. But besides the school part and exams, it's been it's been awesome. Now, what's it like up there uh, playing university? You know, do you guys pull in a decent amount of fans, or is it just a couple hundred people, or how, how's that? Yeah, so it's it's not. Um, I guess it's as close as close to junior as as you can get without it being junior, right? Like you have. We get probably two thousand or three thousand fans a night. You know, it's it's all ex major junior players, so the hockey is highly competitive. And you know, you see guys that you played against who've had um, like eighty point seasons uh, in the OHL. So um, it's good hockey, and, and the fans are great. You know, there's only seven teams. That's that's the difference, though. So um, you get familiar with the guys you're playing against pretty quick, and uh, it's also a shorter season too. So that's a little bit of adjustment, but um, overall, it's great hockey out here. Now, and like you said, two to three thousand fans. Are those like your everyday average people, or a lot of them students? Or um, I think it depends where you go, right? So, so like we have a great alumni base and, and great fan base in uh, at our rink at, at, at the McLaughlin Arena. And, University of Prince Edward Island. Um, a lot of alumni that still support our team. You know, we got a major junior team here, but I think uh, I, it, it can be argued. You know, we're we're up there with that major junior team in popularity. So I think uh, you know, filling the stands isn't too much of a problem for our games, and we get a good uh, good amount of students coming out to support us too, which is awesome. But you go to like say uh, Saint FX, for example. You know, they get. Like an entire section just filled with students, which is like awesome. It's it's great to see like students supporting their sports teams. So I guess you can say it varies across the board. Yeah, and that's got to be a little wild, you know. Up there, obviously, drinking age is lower. It's at nineteen, so you you know you get a c- couple rowdy guys in there after chugging a couple beers and whatnot, and that's got to make for some entertainment out of the crowd. The average age at our games isn't as as low as it is in Erie or in the other direction. We have a bit older of a crowd you know but they still cheer loud it's still awesome and yeah you catch the odd uh university students uh putting the beers back so it's a good mixture of, uh, of both what's your future looking like like what's your what are you going for for your degree and how's that going um so i'm right now i'm in uh getting my undergraduate and bachelor of science and i'm majoring in kinesiology so um you know i got one more year left um on that and then, you know, I have pro aspirations after. So uh, depending on how my season goes, you know, I'm looking to hopefully play professionally, um, whether it's over in Europe or, you know, it's um, in North America, kind of wherever the wind blows me after this season. And then, um, yeah, see how, see how that goes and I guess figure out my life from there, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you can't always have a plan. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm going year by year. I, I want to get my my degree first and and have that figured out. You know, it's great to have a degree under your belt and something to fall back on. So and it's great that's kind that of the, my main focus right now. And it's great that the OHL offers that to all players. Yeah, it's it's awesome the way that that deal has worked out, and you know, um, you know, paying for the university has been awesome, and you know, the benefits from that, and then on top of it, you know. Once you graduate, you get the um, alumni. Uh, they send out like an alumni list of uh, a list of alumni who are, who are looking for you know uh, students post post uh, university degree to come out and work. So it's great connections that to have through the OHL, and they've done a great job at you know 
putting us in touch with uh, the alumni and, you know, helping out with, with the schooling and all that. That's one thing I'll give credit to the OHL. They're, they're phenomenal keeping you guys in school through high school and the program that they offer for you guys after you guys are done in the OHL is just unmatched anywhere else. Oh, it's, it's awesome. You know, and, and to know that you have that too, I know a lot of guys will they'll go play pro for a year to see what it's like and then they'll come back and they'll get their degree and then they'll go play pro after their degree. So the way they've set it up for for us to utilize it is pretty pretty awesome. They've done a great job with it. All right, Kyle, do you have any last-minute message to the Erie fans or the Ottawa fans from your past in the OHL? Um, keep cheering as loud as you guys are. Um, I know they cheer louder for a fight or a hit than, than a goal, and that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, pack the EIA. I know, I think the boys, they just missed out on a playoff spot if I'm I'm correct, right? Yeah, one point out, uh, final game of the year, Hamilton kind of put us down 10-2. Um, great sportsmanship by Hamilton, but they definitely came out and they wanted that win more than we did. Yeah, no, I, I mean, um, it's going to be, you know, Erie's time soon, and I know uh, next year they're going to be coming out of the gate hot. they got a couple uh, young prospects, and I've been following along that. I know I have a couple guys for the draft this year, and uh, yeah, so to Erie. I had a great time there in Erie. I love the fans. I love the people. Uh, I love the city of Erie, so it's nothing but good things to say about them. And, you know, Ottawa, everybody in Ottawa was so welcoming to me. You know, my my bill dad, uh, Colin Zappa, he was awesome and, and taking me in and, you know, treating me like an adult and, and being there for me at the same time. So, um, yeah, no, I wish both the teams best of luck in the future. All right. That was your interview with former Erie Otter and Ottawa 67, Kyle Maximovich. Kyle, we thank you for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I just wanted to give a huge thank you to Brendan Hoffman, Brendan Sellen, and Daniel D'Amato. I just want to say thanks, guys, for everything you guys did for the city. You guys got to come into a team that was pretty hot. You guys played fourth line. You guys provided that team with a lot of energy, and the guys really fed off that. And uh, after that, though, I just want to – I have to bring it up. I can't not. Uh, I really thought we had it going into the game against Hamilton. Uh, you know, D'Amato was fired up out there in his post-game first-star interview. You know, he got the crowd into it. And uh, I, the way he was buzzing and some of the things he said, I just – I really think we were going to do it. Yeah, me too. And it it just comes down to a young team not being ready. And then, obviously, Hamilton's the number one team – or probably one of my favorites to win the championship so it's not surprising but it also sucks because i just didn't think we were going to lose that bad but also we forgot brendan kishnick so kishnick uh, we appreciate your time too it sucks that your career was ended so short and you were one of the one of the best hitters and physical guys erie's had in a while so especially if we're talking pound pound for pound physicality that guy did not shy away from anybody, even being short and undersized. Uh, he would take somebody 6'3", 200 in the corner, and he would probably come out with the puck. Uh, Kishnick, I just want to say thank you for sticking around with the team, and I'm thankful that the team was able to do something for you in terms of, you know, kind of getting to see the back side of things and helping out in a coaching role. And I just want to say thank you for sticking with us. Um, that's going to be good for him in the long run because he's going to have that coaching ops or any management job like he could he has the experience now and it sucks that he had to go through injury just to do that but like he's gonna have a good future and something he wants to do and maybe he found his career path 
The other thing I wanted to talk about real quick is I just want to say thanks to Hamilton for the great sportsmanship they showed. They knew they eliminated us from the playoffs. They knew our uh, overagers were having a tough night. And, you know, the fact that they all skated the center ice, shook hands, and uh, I don't know, that really says a lot for your organization when you can do something like that. Yeah, former Erie Otters coach Jay McKee has has them boys really in check, and it was really something in awe that I saw because I've never seen a team do that besides in the NHL. And, like, that's real sportsmanship. And I think a lot of that has to do with our former coach, but that's uh, I've never seen an OHL team do that. Yeah, it was awesome, and they, they kind of kept the celebrations down to a minimum. I mean, obviously, you know, they already clinched the regular season championship and stuff, but there's still got to be an exciting factor when you finally play your last game and, you know, you're getting ready to go to the playoffs. So big, big shout-out to Hamilton on such a classy act, and I do want to move on, Dom. Who do you think's going to step up next for the Otters? Uh, who do you think the captain's going to be, and how big is it getting our two players called up for the World Juniors? Yeah, it's huge. And um, Sova and Nolan Lalonde are going to be a, obviously a big part of our future in next season. But like guys like Cohen, guys like Sador, Martin, like those are the guys that like majorly have to step up. Now they had good seasons, but now like we need like 70, 80 point production out of those forwards. Like that's um, the mindset that those two should have. And um, obviously Jordan Cairo, he's gonna he's gonna burst out next season. And I'm excited to see him play. Um, Spencer Sova, like, and then the one situation, like, I'll get to that in a minute. But captain-wise, that's going to be tough. I think Morton is one of the candidates. And then um, Cohen, maybe. Like, it's it's tough to tell right now because we're so young. And Morton's definitely a candidate. Um, I think our last captain at defense had to be Duffer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the captain normally goes to the guy putting the pucks in the back of the net and, you know, all-around team guy. And But normally you see it on offense. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see Morton end up with the C. Yeah, and it's very well-deserved. He's grown this year. And that's one player, like, last the last time we had a full season he was like eh for me and but he was young and then this year he really stepped it up like to a heavy hit defenseman and he's actually reliable so yeah so anytime you can get that that's great um Dom, we got five overagers coming into the going into next season uh who do you see moving well this situation is gonna be interesting and it's Elias Cohen, Campbell, Sador, Thompson, and Martin. Those are the five OAs. But if you want my honest opinion, I think Ryan Thompson's gonna get moved and then Aiden Campbell, unfortunately. Yeah, obviously I agree with you there, Dom. Um, you know, Thompson's been solid for us, but I think, you know, there's gonna be some good value out there with him. And I kind of see Aiden Campbell getting moved. You know, hate to see it. Local guy, you know, grew up an hour down the road down there in the Cranberry Township, you know, and he unfortunately went through surgery and stuff, but just the way we kind of finished the season with Lalade kind of shows that maybe the Otter, maybe BJ was testing Lalade to see if he has what it takes to take that starting role and just kind of bring in, you know, a rookie second-year guy and put him in the backup position. Well, he got selected for Team USA, and that's not just for any reason. And he's going to be our guy from here on out. Like, I love Campbell. He's a great goalie, but I think he needs to change his scenery because he's he's been backsided with an injury. So... And I just don't see us trading Cohen, Sador, or Morton. So 
I just think that's what's going to happen. And another thing I want to speak on is the fans booing Lalonde. Like, you're going to boo a kid who's been, what, almost 60 games as a goalie, maybe 50, something like that. But still, it's ridiculous numbers in the OHL. And you're just going to boo him. Like, you can't, you can't boo a team that's, like, not expected to win anything. Like, that's just no, confidence. No, and, and to be able to have a rookie come in and do what he did, yeah, everybody was giving him shit for what happened there in the game against Hamilton. But Hamilton's been unstoppable. That's not the first 10-goal game this year. And, um, you know, obviously with the playoffs getting a little tighter, I don't think they'll have another one. But, you know, Aiden Campbell got the net, and, you know, he also gave up five goals. And, you know, there's a lot of emotions for a 16, 17-year-old like Lalaud in that situation. And just the fact he was able to come in and almost uh, get us a playoff spot you know, much respect to him. And with him spending a little more time with Shane Clifford, uh, you know, the goalie coach. And I don't think he's goalie coach, but, he, you know, he spends a lot of time with our goalies. And I just see him being a big asset going forward. Yeah, so he played 54 games this year. And for a rookie, that's ridiculous. And I don't know what else fans want. He's has 20. He had 24 wins this season. So he's going to have a breakout year next season. Like, he's obviously a good goalie and there's no denying that like it was very rare when was the last time we had a goalie selected in the the world juniors like, i would i would have to do some research on that it's either Giannis or dance like it's been a it. while it's been so, a while you guys can't hate on the kid like he's probably going to be one of the best goalies we've had in a little bit but, and and i think i think in two years from now when you know he's got a little more size and a little more experience I think he's going to become a fan favorite as like Devin Williams and Tim Pano was when they were in their time in Erie. And, you know, I just think, you know, you got to be a little easier, especially on the goaltending position. You know, there's two of them out there and there's only one out there at a time. It's not like you're a forward where if you get into a little bit of a slump, you got 11 other guys to pick you up. And just to be able to come in as a rookie and then don't forget, he had to come back for him, his little injury stint that left him out a couple games. So, you know, I think he did great, and I expect to see even better from him next year. Yeah, and we have nothing but good plans, so can't wait. But moving on to the OHL draft lottery, that's in a few hours, actually, as we're recording. And Erie, Niagara, Sudbury, and Saginaw are all going to be in a lottery, and I guess it's equal odds. I was very surprised to see that. Oh, so it's not like it is in the NHL, huh? No, it's like all equal odds to get first, and um, I'm... I'm going to hop on the train, the Michael Misa train, because I saw this kid's tournament, and he reminds me of Jack Hughes, and it's ridiculous. Like, I'm going to hop on a train. I wasn't going to do it just because of one tournament, but when I actually saw the kid's highlights, freaking unreal. It reminds me of, like, a McDavid, but obviously not McDavid. I mean, he's an exceptional player. They granted the status. Um, you know, I... I'm going to go opposed to you here. Um, you know, obviously it's impressive. The kid had uh, seven games played, 20 points. Can't take that away from the kid. He's 15 years old. and or Yeah, 14 15 or 15. or 14? 14 or 15, so he's young. Yeah, he's super young. I mean, for he's a 2007. He's 15 yeah. right now. Uh, you know, and being able to get that exceptional player status, that's something they don't take lightly. Um, there's only been one in the league that didn't quite work out the way that they wanted it to, and... You know, I mean, yeah, he had seven games played, like I said, 20 points, 10 goals, 10 assists. You know, but just looking at his season, yeah, he had a great season. You know, 27 games played, 16 goals, 27 assists. You know, that's 43 points, but I don't know. He wasn't in the top 10, and to go out there and have such a good camp, you know, it puts me on a little risk wire there of, 
you know, is is he what he is in that tournament? Is that what he is every day, or was he just feeling himself? Uh, I think he is what he is because 43 points to 27 games played in U16 is pretty good. But um, I I watch, once I show you the highlights, you're going to be like, okay, I want this kid. And that's the same mindset I had before watching his video. And I if Erie, like, gets number one or two, that's who I want. And there's other, other good prospects as well. There's Nathan Villabu. Oh, my God. These guys' names. Please don't. <laughs> Nathan Villeneuve, whatever, 67 points in 30 games played. He's a forward. All these guys are forwards because I think that's what Erie's going to do. So um, Michael Haig, 16 points in seven games played in the OHL Cup. Tyler Graham, 32 points in 27 games played. Jack Van Bolsen, 13 points in seven games played. And there's a couple noticeable, or oh my God, notables, Carter Lowe and Braden Turley. So those are like um, guys that Erie should watch out for and then fans should watch out for in the OHL draft that's coming up soon as well but the draft lottery i i think this is the first one so this is going to be interesting it's going to be interesting um you know obviously i'd like to get the number one overall but i'd be happy with any pick in the top four i feel like there's a lot of deep prospects and i feel like you know at the level they were at when uh, covid was happening i feel like the scouts kind of got a little more time to watch certain leagues obviously with the ones that were still playing and i think this is going to be a very good draft class and i'm excited to see what it brings to the already good team we're going to have next year yeah so this is going to be a big test for dave brown and like we need to have a good draft this year so. we, we, we need to be good next year or like you said it's going to be a couple more years and you know in juniors obviously you're going to have that up and down but at the end of of the day you know that's uh that's the gm's job and he's been doing pretty good at it obviously the covid season didn't really help out because you know that was a year we were expecting to be pretty solid and that that year didn't get played so you know i mean we'll see what's in store yeah i'm on the michael misa train now so i'm excited for the draft lottery hashtag miss it for misa hell yeah all right moving on to the ohl playoffs every series is like getting ready to go um oshawa versus kingston barry mississauga kitchener london owen sound flint ottawa north bay sarnia windsor guelph sioux and peterborough and hamilton i do got my predictions so i'm gonna read those real quick oh, we can bounce back and forth here, all right so, so oshawa and kingston I'm going to go Kingston and seven. Kingston and seven, yeah. So um, I did, like, look up stats and shit, like, after all this. So, like, I, it's not just from my – it's not random. But Oshawa and Kingston, I have Kingston and six. Uh, they bounced it back with a few wins, and I think the series is, like, four-something. So uh, Kingston – and uh, I gave Oshawa one more game because I could have said Kingston and five, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, so my final prediction for that is Kingston and six. Moving on to Barry and Mississauga. See, now that's going to be a tough series there. I'm going to have to go Mississauga and six. And, you know, normally I'd have a little better explanation than what I do, but with this season the way it was, we didn't get to see a lot of these teams. Yeah, uh, my predictions Barry and seven. Uh, like I said, they they also bounce back. Um, so like I think it's a tied series or very close. So Barry and seven just seems reasonable. Kitchener at London. See, I'm gonna have to go with Kitchener and six here. Kitchener's a very hard team to play against, and London's really struggled against them this year. And I really think Kitchener can come out on top in six. I uh, strongly disagree with that. I think London's gonna spank Kitchener, and Kitchener lost to a Erie team, so twice. So I don't know. I just don't have confidence in Kitchener. But London in five is my prediction. Owen Sound and Flint. Um, I don't know. I disagree with you. I have Flint in seven games played. Uh, Flint's like not gonna go 
in the first round, and if they do, it's like I I can predict it a little bit. But um, I don't know. Flint and seven just seems like a valid pick for me, but I could see Owen Sound sneaking that series as well. What do you see with Ottawa and North Bay? Ottawa and North Bay, I see North Bay in five. Um, North Bay is a lot better than Ottawa, and I can see Ottawa just stealing one game. It's not the Ottawa they used to be, so definitely North Bay in five. I'll have to agree with you on that one. Sarnia and Windsor. Windsor in four, no doubt in my mind. Windsor's been unbelievable. You know, the Otters did give them a run for their money in most games, and we actually won the season series there, but Sarnia just does not have what it takes to play a solid Windsor team. No, I, I agree with that, and my prediction is Windsor in four. But the one thing is I could see Sarnia maybe sneak in a game just because of their, their they show up at random times. Like it's just like You get one good game yeah. out of the goalie and you're in. I get it. And, and Parsons struggles at time. Uh, note to Sarnia fans if you're listening, uh, get a Parsons chant going and you might get in his head and we did here in Erie. Oh, yeah. But Guelph at Sioux. Sioux in six is my opinion. Uh, Guelph's a good team and so is Sioux, but I, the season series was Sioux and I was leaning on Guelph at first, but I was like, no, I got to turn to Sioux. Like, that's just, that's just what happened. So. Uh, you know, both teams are winning, uh, winning franchises in the OHL and Sue's been fortunate enough to find themselves in the playoffs. Uh, you know, they had a lot shorter turnaround than we did in Erie and uh, I think they're going to make it to the second round, so I'm going to go Sue in five. All right, Peterborough at Hamilton, uh, Hamilton in four. There's no explaining this. I don't even. I'm not even going to explain it. This Hamilton is like going. This is like going up against the 2016-2017 Otters. Yeah, Hamilton in four, and that's all. That, that's all I got. Uh, one thing, Dom, I did want to talk about real quick on the podcast is we were fortunate enough to travel out to Fort Wayne. We got to see a Comets game. You know, we got to spend some good time with uh, Steve. Well, Sid, you could call him as well, and uh, Denise, that was an awesome time out there. They treated us and made us feel very, very important, introduced us to everybody they knew. Um, that was an awesome experience, and what did you get out of the jungle? I got a lot. Like, I that felt like being at an Otters game in 06, and, like, it just brought back a lot of memories. There was, like, five fights, and four of them were the same dude, so it was a very uh, welcoming uh, atmosphere, and it was a good game, too, so the comments are looking good new favorite echl team so yeah absolutely and it's it's nice that we can do that with their affiliate being vegas so we ain't stepping on toes or anything and it was an unreal experience and uh if it does happen to go five i would like to take the trip down the wheeling and see them down there but the jungle is just crazy the atmosphere in there is like having eight thousand fans at the eia it was unreal their chants were awesome it's like nobody really started them up but everybody participated it was pretty cool yeah and that's an experience I'll never forget. So, uh, yeah, thank you to the Sadlowskis. That was amazing. Guys, make sure you check out the website, dropthegloveshockey.com. Uh, we still got a couple things on there, and we're looking to get some more merch. And we got a tournament coming up. Uh, you'll probably be at the tournament while you're listening to this, to be honest. And uh, other than that, just make sure you check out the website or stop up to Erie Bank this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be there. And Yeah, we also got some new logos coming out soon, so be on the lookout for that. And we're excited for the new era of Drop the Gloves. Thank you guys so much for watching episode five of the Drop the Gloves podcast featuring Kyle Maximovich. We will see you guys next week and keep dropping the gloves.